Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. <laughs> let's, um, let's segue smoothly and uh, cleanly into our next topic here, guys. If you're just tuning in, this is GGR Pirate Radio. Uh, we're on FXBG Public Radio right now. Uh, so thank you for listening. I've got guests, uh, Andy Barsh. I have uh, Mr. Steve Connolly. And then, of course, my co-host of GGR Pirate Radio is uh, Mr. Steve Monick. Guys, uh, the main topic for this evening uh, that we're going to go into, uh, let's talk about our favorite sci-fi shows of all time. Um, science fiction has been something that's like been near and dear to my heart since I was a little kid because... I can't remember when exactly it was, but like it might have been like in elementary school when you when you first start studying the planets and stuff. I just fell in love with the idea of space. And actually, you know what? I just had like a weird little flashback. I remember being in first grade when the first space shuttle relaunched after the Challenger accident. And it was a big thing. And we watched it on um, like those little... Remember how they used to roll carts with TVs into your classrooms when you were in elementary school? Um they rolled in the TV so that we could watch the launch. Uh, and it was Discovery, which was, was kind of cool. Um, that that was the moment that I fell in love with space. And that was the moment I fell in love with science fiction. And I started, like, my dad was a big sci-fi fan, so we had all the Star Trek movies, all the Star Wars movies. I started watching all of those. But there's just something amazing about science fiction. And I, I think that we can't start any conversation about science fiction uh, in our, our best shows and what we'll do is, is we'll kind of just go round robin with this. Everybody kind of give us a show that um, that they really, really like. Um, we'll all kind of discuss it a little bit. But I think that we would be remiss if we didn't start with the original Star Trek. Um, and that would be like the the William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly series uh, that, that, that came to prominence in the 60s because – that kind of changed everything, I think. And I remember watching it as a kid. Um, I started with the movies, though. So, like, those, because those are the ones that we, that we owned. And then we went back to, and I watched the original series, like, on reruns. Because they used to be on, uh, here in, in the D.C. area, it was on WDCA 20. I used to watch it. Um, and then, like, I found out that, like, my aunt, my mom's sister, had a whole bunch of them on, uh, on VHS. And I used to watch them that way, too. So... I think Star Trek is kind of the one we have to start with. I mean, would everybody kind of agree that that's kind of the the benchmark for all science fiction? TV shows, yes. You could you could make some other arguments, I think, for movies, but depending on which way you wanted to go with it, yeah, yeah. I think TV show, which is what this topic is. I think there's nothing. I think we've all seen it and can discuss it for the next six hours. Yes, we'll just keep talking about Star Trek. Um, <laughs> I, I think that it. It really made it, it kind of changed everything. And the funny thing is, is there was only three seasons of it. And, and Steve Connolly, you kind of mentioned this before. The comic book series that you did was a continuation of that original three seasons. To think that a show that was more or less canceled early in its in its um, lifespan took on a whole new life after it was canceled and reruns and syndication and like so much so I mean I think that that was one of one of the first like fan petition situations because if it wasn't for that the, the fans keeping that show alive there would have never been any of those movies and 
I think it's responsible for a lot of the comic book conventions that we see nowadays that have become huge things because Star Trek conventions were really something that brought fandom together. And, and if it wasn't for Star Trek conventions, comic conventions probably wouldn't have wouldn't have been a big a deal as they've become now. Um, but also, too, that's another thing I love about science fiction is the hope that it gives us that we can live in a future where there is no war. There's no money. Everybody can live peacefully. But not only that, there's African-Americans and Asians and an alien and a Russian at the time when we're fighting the Cold War all on the bridge of the most technologically advanced ship in the uh, United Federation of Planets. I mean, that's that's amazing. And Mike, I love sci-fi as much as you, but there will never be Asians. <laughs> no Asians in space. It's just not happening. No, just no Asians in general. They don't exist. You know, actually, it's interesting you mentioned that there's a really, really weird theory about, that a lot of Star Trek fans have that um, the reason why the only Asian that we really see um, in the Star Trek universe, we see Sulu, we see Sulu's daughter, and then we also see Ensign Kim on Voyager, but we never see any Chinese people. Um, you never see Chinese and you never see Indians because they were wiped out in World War III in a nuclear holocaust. And I was like, whoa, that's really dark. But, huh. like, it's that's that's the fan theory that a lot of them have, so... That's okay. Well, now it's not. Now it's not funny, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How you feel about that, Andy? <laughs> I'm glad I didn't post this on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you bringing things full circle. Um. So Star Trek's definitely I'm just that good. Star Trek is my first. I wanted to... Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead, Steve. Yeah, I, that was it. I was just gonna no, say it was my first pick. So go I ahead. just wanted to ask the other more prime Steve. Um. Like, how much did you have to go back to the original series to do your work for year four? Like, did you have to, like, really dive in to pick up, like, little, like, looks and feels of things? Or did it was it kind of already ingrained in your brain enough where you're like, I don't, I could do this with my eyes closed? Oh, I definitely had to look at it. I, I definitely needed a ton of reference. I, what I should have done, I felt like my skills, it, 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 that series is now, like, 15 years old, maybe 12 years old. And I feel like, uh, if I were doing it again now, I would probably rely much more heavily on photo reference. I, I think that's what fans really want. They would, uh, what I told uh, the editors when I picked up when I got that assignment, I said I could draw. I'm, I'm better at drawing Kirk than I am at drawing Shatner. You know what I mean? I could draw this the guy he wants to be. I could draw the animated series version of Kirk, but I can't really draw Shatner. He's kind of. I, I think I got the the likeness rights to draw him because I gave him a 32 inch waist and lots of hair. I think he was like, oh yeah, that's me. Um, but I, but uh, I, I wasn't really all that great with likenesses, so I, I did look at the stories, to, uh, some of the episodes, just to make sure you know Scotty wore his hair 15 different ways on the show, uh, making sure that every dial and knob on the bridge was in the right place because if I got some of those wrong, people would notice. Um, so I wanted to be uh, truthful to the visuals as best I could with what limited abilities I had at the time. I've, I've, I've gotten better. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I love I love the show. And if you look at some of the movies, the movies you talked about, the diversity of the, the, the crew, the movies did a much better job of being representational. I think three and four, you see a much more, like when that, uh, I don't know, the giant space log in four is coming yeah. toward Earth. You see that the crew's uh, you see a much more diverse number of ethnicities, which is, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you saw a, a better director at the time. Yeah, you saw a female black captain of the USS Saratoga. Um, there was a uh, there was an Indian captain of the USS Yorktown 
there was um well done yeah good, good. I'm, I'm i'm a huge star trek nerd steve um i yeah and and it again it gives us hope that, that this is what our future could be and that's part of the reason why i love science fiction and it's funny like in our in, in our current day and age most science fiction is super dystopian and what does that say about us and our view of the future that like we're like eh, there's nothing going to be good about the future it's all going to be dark and dingy and everybody's going to be dead and pissed Even off the or... new star trek discovery they're like let's go to the mirror mirror universe where everything's freaking terrible and yeah. the opposite of what our normal show is exactly right like it's it, it, it's it's one of those things um that i it's uh, science fiction has kind of changed but it, it does that it changes with the times which is why i love it so much uh, guest steve Connolly or steve prime as we're referring to him as what would be a science fiction series that you are a huge fan of uh, give us one, and then we'll go to uh, Mr. Andy Barsh, and then uh, Steve Monick. You can close us out, and we'll uh, roll round robin again. All right. I feel like you're hitting the 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 classics, or kind of like the uh, the the kind of linchpin series. So I'd either have to say like Doctor Who or Twilight Zone. You know, the kind of ones that are foundational. Uh, uh, let's say Doctor Who. Let's say Doctor. Doctor Who. So it then is. you obviously have to start with the, like the question, right? Who's your Doctor Who? Like, who's your favorite? Uh, the one I started with, like John Pertwee, the guy with the the ruffled uh, cuffs. I mean, I it was a, not necessarily a great period for Doctor Who. I, I I had since found out, and it was very difficult for me to get into it because often the episodes were black and white. And when I saw it in syndication, it was like on PBS, uh, <laughs> like in some. Here's one episode, and maybe I'll see another episode next week if I happen to be up from eleven fifteen to eleven forty five. It was really. <laughs> really weird way to try to get that material and uh but, but but then i had a in my head i had to put that alongside uh star trek which was so much more colorful or lost in space which was so much more fun so it, it really paled in comparison to the stuff that i was you know that was in syndication at the time but uh but pertwee i really liked and then i, I liked a lot of the redos and, I, and every standalone episode that steve moffat wrote uh i loved and then when he took over the show i kind of felt like it you know, it it's meandering, but uh, I'm really excited for the new Doctor. Can I? Yeah. I'm going to lose some serious nerd cred here. I've only seen a handful of Doctor Who episodes, <laughs> maybe a dozen at, at most. I you just, son of a bitch! I know, I know. I just I never really got into it. it it's fine. It just it wasn't my and not a Br- British joke at all. But it's just not my cup of tea. And um, I really did. Boo. It was <laughs> thanks. Um, I don't remember which doctor it was, but there was one where the master comes back and basically takes over um, as the uh, prime minister of Great Britain. But like he kills everybody and he has this very like blue velvet moment where like everybody dies because of a poison gas that he spread. And he's like breathing through like a uh, mask. And it just reminded me of that scene that Dennis Hopper had in blue velvet where he's like huffing the entire time. And it was like, this is shows really weird, but it's also really good. And like, the fact that you had basically had two, um, not two doctors, but you had two of the immortal doctor aliens, whatever they are. They're um, called Time Lords, thank Mike. You. Thank you, Time God Lords. damn it. Thank you. I was just going to let them keep going. I appreciate that, Steve Connolly. Thank you for letting me hang myself with my own noose. Um, but yeah, the two Time Lords, and but there were two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. One who just wants to destroy everything, essentially, and one that's trying to kind of save the universe. And in the end, he 
basically he's dying and the doctor can save the master and the master is like, no, you're not saving me. I want to die and I want to die in your arms so that you know that you couldn't do anything to save me. It was just like, wow, that man, that is, that is some deep stuff. And like it, it, it hooked me enough that I ended up starting to watch the second season after that. But like, I kind of trailed off after that. It just wasn't as, as interesting. It was hard to follow that up. You want to start where I started, which is the, Christopher Eccleston stuff, like when they first brought it back. Yeah. That's where I got into it. And I, I also, I'm a huge Doctor Who nerd. Yeah, I'll have to, Likewise. I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. Steve, uh, Steve Monik, you're a fan too? Oh, yeah. The, it, same thing with with Andy. I just, uh, for a while, it's not on Netflix anymore, which is quite unfortunate. But yeah, the Christopher Eccleston, uh, I think he's what, the ninth Doctor, right? And then mm-hmm. when they did the, the reboot, and then I really got into it because I like david tennant i think like from the newest stuff he's he's the best um but no sci-fi show i it's it's really hard to put into words but no show on my list does a better job of making a situation seem so utterly desperate and without possible success and then especially like towards the end of a a a series and then the doctor just pulls like, oh, I've been doing this and that. And you didn't think about this. And then all of a sudden he, they, you won. And it's just so, such expertly written stuff that it all comes together. And I don't know. It's it's very different. Uh, you kind of do have to get over some of the cultural differences being a, a British show. And we're all in the States, as they would say. Um, but I really, really like Carrot for it. And um I, I agree with Andy. Like, if you've never seen any of it, I think starting with the new stuff and then going back to the original stuff is the way to go. Can I share my favorite Doctor Who moment with you guys? Do it, man. Uh, there's um, there's an episode where the Doctor goes back in time and he uh, there's something going on in one of Vincent Van Gogh's paintings that just kind of disturbs him. And... Uh, he, you know, throughout the episode, it's really well known that he had like massive depression and he had suicidal thoughts and all that stuff. I mean, he did end up killing himself. And, you know, he's like, oh, these things are worthless. And he starts like, he uses his uh, paintings as like coasters and shit like that. And it's kind of funny watching it uh, when he does stuff like that. And uh, there's a part, um, you know, the, the episode's finished and the doctor and Amy are about to go back into the, you know, present day. And it's like, bye, Vincent Van Gogh. And then Vince is like, all right, I'll see you guys later. And then the doctor decides to show him. Uh, he takes him back to present day and takes him to a Van Gogh exhibit. And uh, the uh, the curator, whoever, you know, he's like, hey, can you say like, uh, like in 100 words or less, you know, where does Van Gogh bring in the history of art? And there's Vincent Van Gogh standing there listening to him. And he's going on and on about how great Vincent Van Gogh is. Now he's the greatest painter who ever lived and one of the greatest men of all time. And Van Gogh just starts crying because he's, you know, he, for the longest time he thought it was worthless and he didn't feel any, you know, didn't was worth anything. And that is, and you know, the sad twist of irony to that is that, you know, he still ended up killing himself, but like, that's, it's stuff like that that really I love about the show. Yeah. Wow. Like, okay. Now I have to see this. So well done. You guys sold me on uh, watching Dr. Who. So it's, that's a great episode to you. Cause that's, that's yeah. all right. That's brilliant, and if, uh, they're available on Amazon Prime right now. So if you've got the Primes, you can watch all the the stuff from Eccleston on, from Season 9 on, or Doctor, Ninth Doctor on. 
Yeah, um, it's, that's where it's the, like impossible to find some of the the classic stuff. Um, well, literally impossible. Some of them don't exist anymore. Yeah, yeah. Find some old British recording of it, then watch it on VCR. Well, that's the thing yeah. is, is back when some of the original original ones were created to save money, they re they washed the um, film. Yeah, and recorded over it. So like some of them literally don't exist anymore. Wow, that's insane. And they have to to put them on like DVD and stuff. They had to just animate that stuff with audio from the old like reels. Wow. Yeah, they have like stills and, and different things they could find. But yeah, you can't. The, the I think there's almost a hundred episodes that are missing that, that that can't be found anywhere. Yeah. Um. Andy, give us uh, give us one of your choices. Um, I mean, obviously, Doctor Who is a big is it was big on your list too. But give us another oh, yeah. give us another sci fi show that is that is like a a pillar of the sci fi community when it comes to TV. I don't know much of a pillar is, but one that I really love is uh, Quantum Leap. Yes, dude, that was number one on my list. Yes, I, I love Quantum Leap. Uh, Steve uh, Steve Connolly, how do you feel about Quantum Leap? Uh, I never really watched it. I saw really? a few handful of episodes. I think that was at a time in my life. I was probably working on my career or something like that. <laughs> I don't I was busy doing real things instead of watching TV like you nerds. Yeah, there was probably, you know, there's a period where, like, you know. I was busy being an adult. Girls, paying bills. Girls work distract you from, like, role-playing at TV for a little while. But then you, you know, you find your way back. This is very true. This is very true. I was a big fan of Quantum Leap. Um, I never finished the series. Um, and I started watching it. And it was on Netflix at one point. And I got, like, I want to say a good two seasons into it. And then, like, I got distracted by something else. Some other show came on, like Daredevil or something. And I stopped watching it. And then I was like, oh, I'll go back and watch the rest of Quantum Leap. And I never got a chance to finish it. And it was on, I want to say it was either on USA or it was on Sci-Fi for a while. And I would just catch random episodes. And it was just, it was such a good show to randomly pick up. You could watch it at any point because you knew the basic premise. Like, he was leaping... Um, they created the Andy. Give us the. You tell me, man. You I can't remember all the details. Like, what was the what was the machine called? The Quantum Leap Accelerator, I think. Yeah. So, but the premise of the they, sh- the premise of the show kind of give us for anybody who's unfamiliar with Quantum Leap. Andy, you still there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Give us give us the premise for the show um, for anybody oh. who's listening who may be unfamiliar with Quantum Leap and why they want to watch it. Uh, well, basically, uh, Quantum Leap is about a scientist who invents a basically a time machine. But it basically, instead of you getting into a machine and getting out and walking around, you basically have to leap into somebody else's body. And uh, but what happens is the he does it too early, or the machine screws up, or whatever, and he forgets who he is, and he has to basically, you know. Basically, the episode opening to every episode explains to you. He has to put right when once went wrong, and he has a guy named Al with the weird calculator cell phone thing named Ziggy, huh. and he uses that to you know uh, put right what once went wrong. Yeah, so basically, like he's like correct that not like correcting history, but I mean essentially that's what he's doing. So like I'll read the premise real quick off of Wikipedia. Um, Mike doesn't think he did a good enough job. No, he he did, but it's it's a complicated no, it's a complicated I did, series. I, I did a terrible job. It's okay. Um, Quantum Leap follows the narrative of Dr. Sam Beckett, a, phys, a physicist who has become struck in the past or stuck in the past, 
as a result of a time travel experiment gone wrong and his attempts to return to his present, the late 20th century, by altering events in the past for the better with the aid of a hologram, his uh, friend, Admiral Al Calavici, um, monitoring from uh, Sam's present. So basically, Al is in the present trying to get him back to the present while Sam is leaping from person to person in the past um, at random, basically. But like he's fixing something that went wrong in their life, and that's how he moves on to the next leap is he's got to make it... He's got to make it right. Like the one of my favorite ones, I want to say it's the first episode. He's like a baseball player and um, he ends up having to hit a home run um, for whatever reason. And that's how he moves on to the next leap. Um, he has to like get the girl in, in one or like, and, and he becomes that person. And like when he's there in that person's body, that person is actually back at the present with Al, like sitting in like a waiting room basically until Sam fixes it. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting uh, show and like it was I want to it ran for gosh how many seasons did seven it run seasons, seven it ran seven seasons wow yeah so I mean it it, it stuck no, around I'm for sorry, a while five, 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 five. yeah but it won I mean it won a uh, primetime Emmy award it won a Golden Globe I mean it, it did well so I mean it was a good show um, that's another show that was saved by a fan petition they were canceling in like I think the third season and then they brought it back for two more seasons yeah so that, that is pretty awesome um, Steve, what would be your choice uh, on the list for ones that we haven't talked about yet? Yeah, it was going to be Quantum Leap. Um, I guess I'll have to go with a, another one that I, I asked the guys ahead of time before the show whether or not they considered this sci-fi, but I really, really got into Lost when that was on. And I feel like with some of the you know, moral and metaphysical themes that they had and the scientific structures like so even though it's on an island I, I would still consider it science fiction yeah because there um, was weird stuff going on on, on the island so it, like it, it's that was pretty science fictiony i mean there's a lot of stuff going yeah. on there that was that was not based it was based on science but none of it that we could actually know for sure would actually happen yeah like i guess whenever i hear science fiction like i immediately think of like you know, ray guns and starships and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I guess it doesn't always have to be that. Like, we just talked about Doctor Who, and there's plenty of times they're just, like, walking around in a field or whatever. So it doesn't have to be outer space. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Lost was such a – I don't want to say a missed opportunity because it was a really great show. And I remember my freshman year of college watching that show – um it was just on in the background of someone's apartment we were at a party and i was into it so much that i stopped like being part of the party and was just watching because it was the pilot <laughs> and i was like oh my god um and so then i had like spring vacation um my dad and brother were on a um they were on like a little mini vacation just the two of them so i was like hey mom why don't we go to blockbuster and rent this first season of this show on dvd and just watch it and we pounded through i mean this was like proto binge watching before there was like netflix and stuff like that in in the version we have now um and we pounded through that first season so fast and i, I was just hooked from there um i don't know did any of you guys ever get into lost in any kind of meaningful way i not like that i tried i gave it a shot like i i watched it up to like i think season four but it just you know, when that writer strike stuff was happening and they kind of yeah. fumbled the story a little bit, that it kind of lost me, but it's definitely, too, it's yeah. got some great writing, some great acting. It's, it's definitely a good show. I just, yeah. it just didn't, 
connect with me the way it might have for some people, you know? I lost it with that writer's strike too, Andy. That's a really good call because that, that affected a lot of shows. It actually affected another show of mine called Nip Tuck that I really, really enjoyed. Um, the writer's strike just completely derailed um, any, any like momentum that those shows had and lost. Like I, the last episode that I remember seeing was the one where um, uh, one of the hobbits is in the, he's in the, um, he's like, like underwater basically. And he's like on the other side of the door and he's like holding up the thing that he wrote on his hand. He said, it's not Penny's boat to Desmond. And like, then they turn, turns out they go to the future and that's how the episode ends. It ends in the future. Like that was the last episode I saw. And um, honestly, if it was still on somewhere, if it was on Netflix or Hulu or something like that, I would probably go back and watch it. Cause I'd love to see how the series ended. Yeah. And that was when I mentioned before, like the missed potential, um, it, it did what JJ Abrams sometimes does is he gets these great premises and he gets this great, like nugget of an idea and he sets all this stuff up and then he just leaves to let other people handle it. And, and the ending was not there. Like the, the story, the setup, those first couple seasons, you're, you're so engaged in what in the world could this possibly be going on? Like, what is this? And, yeah. and you feel like you're just as confused as the people on the screen yeah. Like Andy said, the acting was really on point with the different characters there. And then the writer's strike happens and there's some filler stuff. And, and then I think it just kind of got away from them. Yeah. Steve Connolly, what are your, uh, your thoughts on, uh, on lost? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't watch it cause it was JJ Abrams. I, I he kind of burnt me with alias. I feel like he's kind of like, uh, Stephen Moffat with, uh, Sherlock. I kind of feel like he knows how to do a setup and he doesn't know how to end it. Yeah. Uh, and it's like one twist after another. And I get like, oh, man, where is this going? And the, the other twist, I can't believe that. Where is it going? And then and at the end, I oh, I can't believe where it went. You know, it was like, oh, OK, <laughs> it, it gets so big and so uh, monumental that whatever I get, whatever I see at the end ends up being somewhat disappointing or it just kind of falls apart. Um, and I don't know if that's because he just doesn't know how many seasons he's going to have. But uh alias felt that way and then so when the people were getting into lost i thought maybe someday i'll binge it i did look it up it's available on on hulu if you did want to catch up there you go so hulu is where you can watch any episode of lost um i wanted to go back because the first show we mentioned was was star trek uh the original star trek um if you guys want to mention each individual series separately that's fine i feel like one blanket statement one umbrella of all star trek is kind of kind of works unless you guys really want to go into tng which we kind of talked about with the patrick stewart news or voyager or deep space nine if any of those were were on your list of of favorites any anybody that really wants to go into any of those i mean tng was on my list but like you said we kind of already hit it the only thing i want to mention about tng real quick is that it, it was it was incredible that a show that was essentially brought back because of the original series. Like when the movies really started to take off after the success of Star Trek four, which was the biggest Star Trek movie ever. Um, they were like, Hey, you know what? Maybe this series does have some life. Let's do a new series. And the fact that the first season kind of sucked, the second season was like, all right, this is okay, but we got to do something. So they completely changed, overhauled the writer uh, room and put new producers in place. And season three of Star Trek The Next Generation is by far and away the best season of that show. And season four is pretty good, but season three was just amazing. That was the one that ended with Best of Both Worlds, where Picard turns into Locutus. But like for a series to take its predecessor, and I think, in my opinion, surpass it, I think Next Generation is better than the original. It is, is, is something of note. 
And I think that it, it really became a, a series that was the next generation because a whole new generation of fans fell in love with Star Trek. And even ones that probably had never seen the original series, too. Yeah, that's a good summation. I mean, that's that that was yeah. my story as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the best episodes of Next Generation are better than the best episodes of the original series. I think the original series cast has a chemistry that the Next Generation doesn't have. Yeah. I mean, that Kirk, Spock, Bones triad thing is pretty amazing, which is probably why the start, original series movie, original series cast movies are better than the Next Generation yeah. movies. But um, but I think uh, Next Generation, I mean, so many great episodes. And I want to say, you said earlier about uh, Enterprise. The, if you watch it on uh, Netflix now, it's got the best feature. It's got skip intro, so you don't have to listen to that song. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason why I, it, it makes it just sucks the life out of you. And the oh, story man. about that song is the producer, Rick Berman, heard that at the end of the movie Patch Adams, which is like a punchline. But that's where he heard that song and couldn't get the original Rod Stewart version, which I only imagine would have been worse. Oh, my God. But that, this can't possibly be true, what you're saying. 100% true. 100% <laughs> true. No, it's it, – I'm I'm a good writer, but I'm not that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so skip intro. It makes it makes Enterprise so enjoyable. Oh, yeah. No, that oh, that, see, that skip intro thing is, has really done that a lot. Like, it's saved Orange is the New Black for me because I hate the intro for that show. And season four of Enterprise is great. Shockingly great. It does things like explain the way the, the, the differences with the Klingons in the original series and the movies. It, it touches on the uh, the augments, you know, uh, 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 cons, uh, genetically enhanced folks. It, oh, yeah. It, it, it's yeah. great. The um, yeah, the um, the eugenics wars. Yeah. So yeah. okay, so I'll have to go back and watch Star Trek uh, Enterprise because I never yeah, you're, watched. You're kind of selling me on that now. Yeah, I'm in yeah, season they, season four. I think they knew there the show was over, and they they did all the nerd stuff you'd want them to do. <laughs> um, I have a soft spot, and I ripped on it earlier, but I have a soft spot in my heart for Voyager. There's just there's something about Voyager that I just absolutely loved, like. It was. It wasn't an enterprise. It was. It, it was a different premise too. You, like you actually had a, a running theme. Like you were going to have your monster of the week or your villain of the week. But like there was this overarching theme of we got to get home that none of the other Star Trek series had, and I really enjoyed that. But like I, I really I, I loved this crew. I loved Janeway. I loved Tuvok. I loved Neelix. I, all of them. Like like Paris's arc and then him falling in love with with uh, Belana Torres. Like, I just, I really enjoyed this series. And, like, I want to say the first season was boring as hell. But, like, it, it really picked up. And I thought that, that was, I thought it was a pretty good series all in all. Um, and, like, I wish, I wish that we had gotten to see more of Janeway and her crew in a movie instead of just seeing her once as an admiral in, uh, in Star Trek Nemesis. And that was it. Was anybody else a, a fan of Voyager? I remember watching some episodes. I think it was like rerun on UPN. I think that's so that dates it right there. Um, but I, I just don't remember it, it near as much as I remember watching yeah. TNG. Yeah, Voyager you can pick up on Netflix as well. Um, and it's it's there's some really really good episodes. Any of the episodes with the Borg because they're in the Delta Quadrant, which is the home quadrant of the Borg. Any episode with the Borg is good. So it's it's an enjoyable series. I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, let's, um, let's jump into 
some other ones. I mean, because there's a lot here, and we gotta we gotta kind of wrap the show up here pretty soon. But some some sci-fi shows that we haven't mentioned yet. Did, did anybody uh, have uh, the X Files on their list? No. I tried. I just couldn't get into the X Files. I tried a few episodes, but I just couldn't get into it. That was yeah. the same with me. I started like halfway through the first season. I was like, I don't get it. I watched it like when I, I was a kid, but I, I never really, really, really got into it. I watched like the first like three or four seasons, um, but yeah, it was never like a must-watch for me. I think the problem is that you know the stories might be interesting, but Mulder and Scully are just not interesting characters. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. Steve Connelly, like they're very one any, note. Uh, any any thoughts on the on X Files, Steve Connelly? No, I, I watched it when it came out, and it was it was okay. I, uh, I, the one note aspect was kind of tiresome yeah. after a while. You yeah. know, like Scully's looking at Bigfoot and says, "You know, he can't be real." You know, I'm like, "Okay, come on." We've seen enough aliens every single episode that you know you think she'd be a little more on board with the paranormal. <laughs> um, but it, it, that's how I felt about it. But you're going to yeah. get hate mail from people if you don't just throw a little bit of love onto uh, Deep Space Nine, which is oh. so many people's favorites. Yeah. You just, if you leave Star Trek and not say how awesome that show was, at least as, as the first long, maybe long form soap opera, serial space opera, uh, sci-fi show before all the current. I mean, everything was now in that format, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I, I, I just never Deep Space Nine was never my thing. Um, yeah, I know. Blasphemy. Um, I, it was, it was fine. I, I enjoyed it and I watched it, but it just, when, when I had a choice of, you know, sitting on a space station or, you know, gallivanting around the galaxy in a, in a, in a starship, whether it be the Enterprise or whether it be, uh, the USS Voyager, I was kind of okay. I was more, I'd rather be out in a ship, but. See, I tried getting into it, but. I kept getting the title wrong. I thought it was called uh, Nine Inches Deep. No, yeah, you don't want to search for that. No, online. Andy. No, no. Damn it! <laughs> Every time. Um, any of you guys a huge fan of Firefly? I'm, I know, I'm sure I would I like it. I just never tried it. Yeah, I know I'm supposed to be because this is a, like a, a nerd site, and I've seen Serenity, and I like that movie a lot, but yeah. I didn't ever sit down and watch Firefly. Wow. Wow. I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought it had wonderful potential. I thought it was one of those things where it yeah. never. People look at it and they think of, wow, what this could have been. Yeah. And so they, it's a lot of. I don't know. Whatever the opposite of. Is there an opposite of nostalgia or something where. Something yeah. That didn't happen or wasted potential. No, but we should make that a thing. There you go. Yeah. Well, I think that might be a new segment. Uh, the shows of wasted potential. Honestly. That's a great tie-in because I want to do that at one point. I think Firefly is one of them. I've talked about that show that I love that was on FX called Terriers. Terriers was one that only had one season that was incredible. Um, a lot of other ones. Um, but I wanted to kind of hit on some guys. Um, some shows that are that are newer that right now are on, in my opinion, on pace to really be some pretty incredible uh, science fiction series if they continue on the pace that they're at. And the first one I want to start with is uh, Stranger Things. Like I yeah. think I think Stranger Things is really yeah, on something. That's another one I didn't even think about because I didn't even in my brain consider it sci-fi. Yeah, I consider that more of your like Stephen King thriller horror kind of stuff. I I I, I didn't even picture that as sci-fi. See, I I think that that's if you're looking at the Venn diagram, it it, it fits right between sci-fi and horror. 
Um, yeah, there, now that you say it, like it, it, I don't disagree. Yeah, and just like the Twilight Zone too, the Twilight Zone sits in that happy medium of horror and science fiction at the same time. Um, and kind of to go back to what Steve Connolly had mentioned before, I think that that's a pillar of science fiction is the Twilight Zone. Just such an incredibly well-written and well-crafted series that really, if you're watching science fiction today, if you're watching horror today, you can pretty much thank um, the Twilight Zone for some of those tropes that they've created. Um, and it was it really hit the nail on the head when it came to what was going on in our society. I mean, it really grabbed the mirror and had us look back at ourselves when we were looking at these things uh, with some of the episodes that they had. And to that end, good science fiction should do that. And a show that is doing that right now that um, a GGR contributor, uh, Jay Dilla, turned me on to is a show called Black Mirror, which I have absolutely fallen in love with. And like, not like, oh man, it's so great and I'm so happy every time I watch it. No, it scares the shit out of me when I watch it because this show is so frightening. Like... There's, there's an episode called Playtest from season two that is one of the scariest. It's giving me goosebumps right now just talking about it. It's one of the scariest things I've seen in at least the last decade. It is just incredible. If you guys haven't watched Black Mirror, imagine the Twilight Zone, but everything has to do with a technology. It's all technology-based, but something that doesn't quite exist yet, but very easily could within the next five to ten years. Is, any, is anybody else on the, uh, on the Black Mirror bandwagon? I've been hearing a lot of like great stuff about. It. I just never have taken the time to watch it. It's on my Netflix queue. I just, but you know, when you're you're talking about stuff that's going on, that like talks about what's going on in the world today. You know, what show that really surprised me did a lot of that is doing a lot of that now is Supergirl. There's a lot of stuff in there about immigration and uh, and racism and you know, power over the, you know the rich over the weak and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, gay marriage and stuff like that. I'm surprised how much they weaved into that, a show about Supergirl. That just surprised me. Well, and I know that you're also, um, that you're happy that we're seeing a super member of the L family being portrayed properly. Because I know your feelings about Smallville. Um, (laughs) So why don't you give us a little rant on that one, Andy? Uh, Where do I start? Uh, Well, first of all, watching... I, w- I wasted 10 years of my life watching that show. Uh, they they kept, you know, they, sh- they should have ended it a lot sooner, uh, but they just kept dragging it on and on and on and on. Um, I had issues with Tom Welling because I didn't think he was a very good actor. Um, and I still, to be honest with you, I, I hate to sound rude, but he, I don't think he is. Still. But when I hear more about him, he, he is a, he, I can see why they cast him as Superman or Clark Kent, not Superman. And it's such a cock tease of a show, you know, like they're like, oh, Superman's coming any day now. You know, see this cape? He's going to be he's going to be wearing that someday. Uh, you know, these glasses he's going to wear them sometime. Uh, and like they bring all these like other characters in, like they bring the flesh, they put impulse in there. They put uh, Booster Gold, Beetle, Blue Beetle, all these different characters and just because of some bullshit legal reasons, they can't talk about Batman or Wonder Woman or anything like that, or even Green Lantern. Uh, but yeah, I just, I will give small with this. The guy who played Lex Luthor, uh, Michael Rosenbaum is yeah. fantastic. He's my favorite Lex Luthor period. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he was, he was excellent as well. Um, 
but yeah, the show definitely had some some serious issues. Um, Steve Connolly, we'll, we'll give you uh, one more for everybody, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, what's another science fiction show that you just that you are a, a huge fan of that maybe we All haven't right. mentioned yet? Uh, I'm gonna go with Orville. I oh, good I, call. I, I know it's a comedy. There's a whole bunch of stuff like you know, there's Red Dwarf and you know Misfits of Science going way back and silliness like Space 1999. But I mean the Orville, I think they were doing I, Seth MacFarlane's doing Star Trek better than uh, CBS currently is, as far as I can tell. Uh, in, in terms of the old episodic approach that yeah. you have the villain of the week, the monster of the week, the crisis of the week, the moral quandary of the week, whereas Discovery is like a novel. You know, it's a much longer story, much more involved. Um, so yeah, I think or, I think uh, MacFarlane's doing a great job with that. Yeah, and and I actually I wrote a review um, on uh, GGR, and you can see it where I, I compare the Orville and Star Trek Discovery because they came out almost simultaneously, and they're both Star Trek. I enjoyed them both, but they're very different in the sense that Discovery is taking a much more modern uh, aesthetic when it comes to storytelling, whereas the Orville literally is like, hey, what if Seth MacFarlane got hired as a writer for Star Trek: The Next Generation and they kept doing more series? That, that's basically what it is, and I, I enjoyed the heck out of it, and they did just announce that there is a second season coming up soon, so I'm super excited about that one. I had no idea what you guys were talking about until you said Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, it's a it's a show on Fox, Andy, where it's basically, it's it's Star Trek, but it's not Star Trek. Like, they can't use the Star Trek licensing, um, but it's it's basically Star Trek, and Seth MacFarlane is the captain of the ship, and his ex-wife is the first officer. And it's it's just a really 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 enjoyable show. Is it a comedy or is it like playing it straight? It starts off as a comedy, and like I think he sold it. Yeah, I think he sold it to the network as a comedy, but he wants to make Star Trek. Yeah, and I think it's he's sort of sneaking it in, and uh, so it still has light elements, and it's got like uh, Norm Macdonald as some gelatinous glob on the. You know, oh, it's yeah. got silly comedy. <laughs> yeah. Damn, a gelatinous blob, man. Yeah, you know, is it? Because he's gay, he's got a, he's got a crack cork. He's he's really gay. He's a gay gelatinous blob. That's, you're not far off. No, that's very accurate, Andy. Yeah. Um, but like at one point they're on the holodeck, right? And like um, Seth MacFarlane's character joins in in this like uh, old western thing that they're doing, and there's like this Mexican stereotype who's standing on top of a. Um, a fort and he's like oh we're going to have to duel and like he's all excited and he's like and we're only going to duel in the best way we know how classic dance-off style and then like seth mcfarland's like wait what and everybody the other two guys are like yeah this is so exciting they're like dude this is really lame what are you talking about and like the one dude is just like super excited about the dance-off and it's it's so outlandish and ridiculous but it's so funny at the same time but then at the same time they do some really 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 heavy stuff that's social commentary that's just incredible. So definitely check yeah. it out. It's on it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's solid. It's it's. It, I think it's better than you'd expect. It's better than I expected for sure. Yeah, that's that's. I'm adding now. Yeah, um, Steve, you got anything else that we need to talk on? Um, we'll do we'll do one more and then we'll go ahead and wrap the show up. Oh, mm. wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Good, good. I was just like one of those years, three thousand. You broke up. Why? I, Go ahead and say that again. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Would you really we call never that talked s- about that. Would you call it science fiction, though? That's kind of in a it category takes place in space. Song. It's got robots. It's science fiction. Don't fucking argue with me about it. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, they're just watching a movie that usually is some sort of sci-fi B movie. 
you yeah, know? Yeah. So fair. by I'll, that I'll nature, I would give it to it as well. I'll allow it. Um, my, my serious answer for another show is Star Wars The Clone Wars. Good The call. animated one. Because that's the best, the best thing that came out of the prequels. Yeah. Hands down. Like, that, that actually took what was somewhat of a mess and said, like, all right, let's grab some stuff and make some actually heartwarming, deep, thoughtful stories about the nature of war and like we talked about before, like uh, these clones and stuff like finding their identity, their humanity, you know, where, where they belong in a greater universe kind of thing. Uh, some really, really good stories in there. But the actual answer that I want to give right now is Futurama. Good call. Yeah. I, I think everybody can agree with Futurama. I mean, are we Futurama? Come on. Yeah. And like Futurama is such a good series. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb. I like Futurama more than I like The Simpsons. I agree. Fuck The Simpsons. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. <laughs> I would. I think it's just one of those things, like, if Futurama had gone on, like, if they had the same number of seasons, I don't know which one I would like more. Yeah. Because it just seems like The Simpsons, like, it was really great, and then it got diluted. Yeah. Like, if someone took a really good wine and then threw a bunch of ice cubes in there, and it's melted, and now it doesn't taste as good as it used to even though all the same amount of wine is in there. Um, and now, but like Futurama, it's just the hand. What a nice analogy. It it's like the right amount of, of content for Futurama. It has yeah. just like every show. It has its great episodes and it has its meh episodes, but it's so just the right amount. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I think that that is a, a perfect spot for us to go ahead and close up shop here, guys. Um, we're going to do another episode. I, I really like the idea that, that um, artist and incredibly talented man, Mr. Steve Connolly, brought to the table um, and that Andy Barsh kind of co-signed is these shows that we love that really just didn't get enough, like the opposite of nostalgia. Like we, we, we wish we could be nostalgic about them, but we never got, got an opportunity. Um, so I think we'll talk about shows like that on, another, on a future episode. Um, but before we go ahead and, uh, and close up uh, for this evening, Steve, give us Steve Connolly. Uh, give us another plug for your stuff, man. So where can people find your amazing art, uh, the middle age? Um, where can they subscribe to the Patreon? Where can they contribute to the Kickstarter? All of those things. Well, thanks again for having me. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you can find my comic, the middle age at middleagecomic.com, all one word. And if you go to Kickstarter and look up Steve Conley or look up the middle age, uh, it should pop right up, and if it's one of uh, they selected it as a project we love, so it might even be on the homepage. Uh, but if you go into comics, they they've listed it at the top uh, among the the other staff picks they have there, which is awesome. Um, and you can also find it on webtoons if that's where you read your web comics, or over on Go Comics or Tapas, any of those other sites. It's a, it's I try to put it in as many places as possible in front of as many people as possible, and it's free to read online. So even if you don't have the uh, ability to kick into the Kickstarter or the Patreon. It's there for you to read. So I hope you enjoy it. Awesome. Again, uh, Steve Connolly, thank you so much for joining us uh, this evening on the show and, uh, and participating in our, uh, our reindeer games. Uh, Andy Barsh, you are a talented artist as well. Where can people find the stuff that you are working on right now? Um, I don't really have a particular website. Um, uh, there's uh, if you look up Slaughter Hill, uh, that's the horror comic I'm working on with Marcy Jacobs. Um, uh, we have a Facebook page. It's just facebook.com slash Slaughter Hill comic. Uh, that's probably the best place to find it. 
Uh, if you follow me on any social media type stuff, basically, if you look up Andy Barch or the name Crazy Bastard, C-R-A-Z-I-B-A-S-T-I-D, um, you can see a lot of my stuff there. Um, anything Crazy Bastard related is, is me, so follow me there. Awesome. Um, guys, make sure you check out the website. It is www.greatgeekrefuge.com. Um, we've got podcasts galore on the website. Um, we actually host a buddy of ours, uh, Ulysses E. Campbell. We host his podcast on there, Fantastic Forum. You can see that and listen to that there. You can read our articles. You can listen to all of our podcasts. We actually have our first season of GGR, which was back in 2014, uh, GGR Pirate Radio. It's horrible. The audio quality sucks, but you can listen to it and hear how much better we've gotten since then. Um, the content was good. It's just the microphones were not always the best. Um, but you can check that out. That's under uh, GGR Pirate Radio Season 1. I'll be releasing Season 2, which is where we t- teamed up with uh, Comics Online here very, very shortly. Uh, but for Andy Barsh, uh, and again, let me thank Steve, Steve Monick. Um, he put together the geek sheet uh, that we had for this week. So he'll be continuing to do that for our episodes. So big thanks to Steve. Uh, but for Steve, for Andy, for our guest, Steve Connolly, my name is Mike Lunsford, and this has been GGR Pirate Radio. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!